Hey folks and welcome to the Blue Light Podcast. I'm Brendan from Blue Light and this is the place to be to discover all you need to know about the police recruitment process. I've been coaching and supporting people now for 32 years in the police service, ever, ever since I became a tutor constable in 1988. So huge amount of experience there, huge amount of experience. And these podcasts are where I share my thoughts, my uh, ideas, my approaches, everything you need to know actually to help you through the police recruitment process. There's another place as well where you can find out more about police recruitment and that's the Blue Light Police Recruitment Facebook support group and I've got some really exciting news to tell you about that group and how we're going to grow it even more. At this moment in time there's over 11,000 people in the group. Last month alone there were 36,000 posts, comments and reactions. Absolutely incredible. And so one of the things I'm going to do with that group is introduce something which I'm hoping, well, I know you don't hope, I know you're going to find it useful. I'm going to provide you every week with a webinar. And I have been doing face, Facebook Lives and I'm going to keep doing those, but these webinars are going to be something that's going to be far more interactive. You can actually join the panel using these webinars. So every week I'm going to do a webinar only and exclusively for members of the group about different aspects of the police recruitment process maybe mirroring some of these podcasts but certainly going into a lot more depth so if you'd like to be part of that group please do join us click on the link that's in the blurb attached to this podcast and we'll see you in the group so this week what i'm going to talk about is it, it's not recruitment advice as such it's just my thoughts on some of the issues which are current and certainly at the forefront of the news at this moment in time and that's race diversity and inequalities in terms of black, Asian, minority, ethnic people. And I'm going to talk about this from a police recruitment perspective. And this this isn't something that's new for me. I've been talking about this on my YouTube videos, on LinkedIn, on Twitter now for years. So it's not a new thing for me. I've been pushing this agenda for a long time now. But it just got me thinking this week, a few articles I've seen in the news, and I thought, do you know, in this podcast, I'm, I'm going to talk about this because it's really, really important. So there's an article in the Guardian newspaper uh, yesterday where Patricia Gallum, a previous Metropolitan Police Assistant Commissioner, and Victor Elisa, a Chief Superintendent from the Met Police, both retired now, both black officers, they're talking about some really serious issues within the police service that we do have to face up to. So Patricia talked about how she's experienced racism, both overt and subtle, and Victor was also talking about the misuse of stop and search. How if you are black and you're in London, you are four times more likely to be stop and search than if you're white. And that's just in the month of May 2020. If you look at the data from April 18 to March 19 across the United Kingdom, um, four in 1,000 white people will be stopped and searched versus 38 in 1,000 black people so we've got to account for this because dress it up however you want and one of the um, metropolitan police federation leads police federation leads in that article was saying well it's down to criminality and who commits crime and i'm just not convinced i'm not convinced that black people commit more crime than white people i've been in the police for almost three decades 28 years I've served in a country which was predominantly black, where I was the ethnic minority. And I've experienced that racism. I, I say country, it was an island. I worked in the Bermuda police for three years. But I've experienced racism 
myself both over and subtle. And it's that subtle racism that gets you. It's a subtle racism that gets you. And I don't think it's intentional. So I don't think that police officers intentionally go out to target black people. I don't think, I don't believe that police officers within the service are actually racist, directly racist, overtly racist. I mean, there will be some individuals and there have been cases of overt racism that have been in the press over the past several years. And there's always, in any in any walk of life, in any profession, there are always going to be one or two bad apples, and it's up to everyone else to call it out. But it's that unconscious bias that I think is the issue here, where people tend to gravitate towards people like them, where people tend to gravitate towards people who have the same ideals and backgrounds and kind of look like them. You know, go to a party. Next time you're at a party, when we can go back to parties or remember back to a party that you've been to or some big social event where there's lots of people there, 70, 80, 100 people there, and you'll see how people gravitate towards people like them. I've seen this at conferences and you look at the, the conference tables and think, yeah, just, you know, even at conferences where most people don't know each other or they'll perhaps turn up with one other colleague, you'll see people sitting around the tables, similar age groups or similar ethnic background or all the uniforms are over there and all the suits are over there. Um, I've seen it happen in just some of the workshops I've run for councils and uh, police services where all the PCSOs gather together, all the housing officers gather together. It's just what we do and we can't help it unconscious bias so we see people through the lens of our own upbringing our own background our own culture and i wonder whether this is one of the big issues the thing is i don't know <laughs> these are just my guesses these are just my thoughts but i hope they will get you thinking a little bit and it's well worth looking at article just google it guardian newspaper patricia gallam g-a-l-l-a-m this should bring up the article for you and read it get yourself thinking if you're a serving officer and you're about to stop and search someone who's uh, black or Asian, minority ethnic, and you're thinking about applying the handcuffs, ask yourself, why? Why am I doing this? What's driving my behaviour? Or if you see another officer do it, then I'd advocate that you have a discussion after. What what was driving that behaviour? I think we need to be a little bit more open within the service about the discussions that we're having about our actions and why we've taken a certain course of action and it's not to say that anyone's racist it's just to question that unconscious bias now i could talk for unconscious bias for hours but i'm not going to because it's a short podcast but well worth looking up that concept um chief superintendent raj Kohli has got an uh, from the met police has got an excellent video on youtube worth digging out actually I'll, I'll post it again in the facebook group it's been in the facebook group once before and i'll post it again but he gives an excellent talk about unconscious bias and how he's experienced unconscious bias and also how actually he's guilty sometimes of unconscious bias it's because we're human it's because we're human so I'd advocate that we ask ourselves those questions and actually think about this if you're a potential recruit and you're thinking about joining the police. Think about your own actions and how you may have had a discussion with someone and hopefully will have a discussion with someone who may have demonstrated that level of unconscious bias. They may have made a decision based on something going on at an unconscious level and the only way to raise it into our consciousness is to have a discussion about it. So a good place to start is just sort of what happened there what happened there that was interesting what happened there and have that discussion 
Okay, what what else am I going to talk about? Well, linking in with that is um, the subject of representation within the police service, because I think this is really important as well, that communities absolutely need to represent the community sorry the police need to absolutely represent the communities that they're a part of this is a key to legitimacy we can't have the consent of the community to carry out our work as police officers unless we are truly representative of the community this was robert peel's vision back in 1829 that the police service should be representative of the community look up the peelian principles they are so good today they're as good today as they ever have been and they are as good for our future as well in terms of our vision for policing so in the capital uh, 14 percent of all black and asian minority uh, um, ethnic police officers uh, police officers are ethnic uh, from an ethnic background versus 43% of the capital. So this is going to take a lot of catching up. Um, the estimate at the moment is that if we continue at the current rate of trying to ensure that our service is representative, it's going to take 100 years. 100 years. Can we afford to wait that long? At the moment, uh, nationally, 7% of the um, police officers are from a black and Asian minority ethnic background versus 15% of the population. That 15% is probably out of date because that's based on the 2011 census. We are now almost 10 years later, so I'm quite sure that's going to be very, very different. So we've got this brilliant opportunity, and I hope this opportunity continues, even in the face of the recession that I think we're probably going to go into, to recruit an additional 20,000 police officers. So we've got the 20,000 uplift, which is an additional 20,000 on top of the police officers that will be recruited anyway. Uh, the estimates are anything between 48,000 52,000 police officers are going to have to be recruited over a three-year period. That's a huge, huge challenge. Well, the West Midlands Police Policing and Crown Commissioner has come out, uh, David Jameson, to say that actually we're going to go one step further. Out of the 2,700 and 50 officers that we're going to recruit over the next three years, 1,000 of them are going to be from a black, Asian, minority, ethnic background because he wants, in his words, the uh, police service to look more like the communities that it's a part of. Now, this is a very, very worthy thing to aim for. Um, where currently 10.9% um, of all police officers in West Midlands are from a black and Asian minority ethnic background. This will raise it to 19%, even though at this moment in time, 36% of the uh, communities of West Midlands police area are from black and Asian minority ethnic backgrounds. But it's certainly a step in the right direction. And what David Jameson is saying is, come and join us. Let's change the organisation from within. However, I don't think this is identifying the true, true problem. Now, this is something I feel very, very strongly about, because if you look at the data from the College of Policing around recruitment of white British officers versus black and Asian minority ethnic officers, what we find is that there's actually, actually a massive, massive disparity. And what I mean by that disparity is for several years now, if you come from a black Asian minority ethnic background, you are far more likely to be failed at the assessment centre, the National Assessment Centre, than if you're white British. Far more likely. Far more likely. So we've got data like, um, for if we look at the day one assessment centre, which is the assessment centre that's going to uh, replace the search assessment centre once we're out of the sort of COVID-19 lockdown. 
And the day one's been running now for, we must be getting on for two years in the Metropolitan Police area. It's the pilot to replace the Search Assessment Centre. The Search Assessment Centre has been throwing up adverse results for years now as in a much higher percentage, anything from 15 to 25% um, more ethnic uh, candidates will be failed than white British. The day one is not faring any better. So the interim evaluation for the day one, and bearing in mind this is just the Met Police, but it flags up an issue, certainly flags up an issue, um, let's just have a look. 63% of everyone who goes for the day one are successful. And that sounds really good. But then we start breaking it down. And what we find is that actually 71% of all white British candidates are passing it versus just 50% of black and Asian minority ethnic. That is a massive disparity. That's a 21% difference. So if you're white British, you are far more likely to succeed at the assessment centre, the day one, than if you're black, Asian, minority, ethnic. I'll just repeat those figures again. White British success is 71%. Black, Asian, minority, ethnic success rate is 50%. How can we explain that? How can we explain that? Now, the College of Policing have previously tried to explain it as forces lowering their standards. What are they trying to say there? That actually forces are deliberately lowering, lowering standards just to accommodate black and Asian minority ethnic people? For me, that is deeply, deeply insulting. And if I was from a black Asian minority ethnic background, I would find that insulting. The very idea that a force would lower its standards to meet my needs is both insulting and would be off-putting. You know, why would I want to join a police service that's deliberately seen to be lowering the standards? And actually, I can find no evidence of that. So the College of Policing made that suggestion in one of their earlier evaluations of the police recruitment process to try and explain away this disparity. But it was just a guess, as it wasn't based on any evidence. I've not come across anyone at any force who's responsible for recruitment who's deliberately lowering standards for black and Asian minority ethnic candidates. In fact, what a lot of forces do now is they have sort of, if you excuse the phrase, blind assessment. So the initial application form, the name and the background and anything that would indicate that someone's from a black and Asian minority ethnic background or a white British background is taken out. It's just the answers to the questions that the assessor is assessing. So it removes that unconscious bias that I will look to recruit people who have similar feel, similar values and, and have names that sound similar to mine. It removes that. And also having more people from black and Asian minority ethnic backgrounds on the assessment team. So a lot of that unconscious bias is being deliberately removed by forces. So the very suggestion that forces lowering standards, I find them... Um, abhorrent actually so what else is going on there what else is going on because we've got to explain away why if you're black asian minority ethnic background candidate you are far more likely to fail than if you're white british and we can come up with some uh, figures here and this is what the college of policing have done you come up with something called an adverse impact ratio and the way you do this is you take the percentage of black and asian minority ethnic who are passing and you divide it by the percentage of white British who are passing. And if you come up with a number that's less than 0 0.80, then in the United States, that would be unlawful. Federal law in the United States prohibits any recruitment process that had an ad has an adverse impact ratio of less than uh, 0 0.80. Um, 
for the British Police Service, it's been less than 0.80 for several years now. It's been ranging from 0.71 to 0.78, sometimes 0.6 something. I've looked at all the data, and I'm not inventing this data. This data comes from the College of Policing. And so what I'm reading from the pilot evaluation of the day one is that what the College of Policing are doing to make the assessment process fairer is they're removing the parts, or they're suggesting that they remove the parts that discriminate the most and give them to forces to run as a sift. Now, for me, this is the worst kind of game playing because you're not actually solving the problem. You're just taking one thing in the recruitment process out of the day one that's discriminatory, discriminatory, and you're just giving it to the force to run. How is that actually solving the problem? It's just kicking it down the road to a different part of the recruitment process. But what they're suggesting is if we do this, it takes our day one from an adverse impact ratio of, I think it's 0.71. Yes, it is. It's 0.71 to 0.82. So everything will be fine. No, it won't. Everything won't be fine. Everything will still be discriminatory. You've not solved the problem. You've not even researched it. Although there is something in the interim evaluation that alludes to how they're going to conduct some research to explore the cause, um, whether it's language or socio-economic. But to refer to removing parts that are discriminatory to make the day one less discriminatory, but booting it down the road to force level where it's still discriminatory is not, as they word it, an exercise development opportunity, their words. This is just kicking racism down the road. So, if you are applying to join the police, one of the questions I would be bold to ask of the recruitment team is, how can you ensure that the recruitment process that I'm going through is going to be fair to me? And I'd ask that question if I was black, Asian, minority, ethnic. If you're white British, I would ask that question as well. How can I be assured that this assessment process is going to be fair both to me and my future black and Asian minority ethnic colleagues because I am aware that there is a huge disparity in the recruitment process. More people need to call this out. Every day for the past couple of weeks, I've been calling this out on Twitter and slowly, 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 I'm getting a little bit of a groundswell of support from individuals who are saying, actually, yes, I think you're right here. There is something. I'm very, very grateful to one of the sergeants in the Met Police who invited me to uh, watch a recording of a webinar for the black and Asian minority um, ethnic officers of the Metropolitan Police who had a, a one of their meetings to discuss the way forwards. And I'm very, very um, encouraged to see their attitude of working within the organisation to help make positive change. I'm very, very encouraged and very bold individuals here. But it needs more than just people who are black, Asian, minority, ethnic to be bold. It needs us all to be bold. We are not going to change these disparities, these inequalities, by just um, warm words. And that's what I see from a lot of chief officers. I've heard recently, we know there's more work to do. It's on our radar. There's been more work to do around this for years now. And just saying that there's more work to do, and uh, we, we recognise that there are some issues here. These are just warm words, vague words. They're not actually the action that is needed. So I've been calling out on Twitter, chief officers, to step up to the challenge. This is a massive issue. And the very fact that we're trying to recruit people who are from different backgrounds into the police service, and then we set them up to fail by having a recruitment process that is discriminatory, 
and I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy to go out on a limb there and say it's discriminatory. The data tells me it's discriminatory. If anyone wants to persuade me that a recruitment process where 71% of white British pass versus 50% of black, Asian, minority, ethnic pass, if anyone wants to try and persuade me that that's fair, then go on, take your best shot. If you've got English as a second language, it's even worse. It's only something like 40-something percent of everyone who has English as a second language passes versus an overall success rate of 63% and 71% for white British. So it's actually 40%. It's not around 40%. It is 40%, 40.9%. That is just not acceptable. We've got to call it out, folks. And I'm asking you as well to call it out. And when I say call it out, like I said, just ask the questions. Ask the questions of the team that's looking to recruit you and just drop them an email or perhaps in one of the webinars or uh, meet the Met or whatever it might be. All of those events that they have on the lead up to the recruitment process, just ask that question. Just ask the question that I'm aware that the day one or the search assessment centre has an adverse impact ratio of less than 080 that if you're black, Asian, minority, ethnic, you're far more likely to be failed than if you're white, British. How can you persuade me that this process that I'm going to go through is going to be fair to me or fair to black, Asian, minority, ethnic colleagues of the future? And that is not anything that's going to cause you to be seen as a troublemaker. It is a perfectly, perfectly reasonable question to ask. So please, the more of us that ask those questions, the more change will happen. The more that chief officers will stop using warm words like on the radar and there's more work to be done. This is a time now for action. If there's ever been a time for action to reverse this inequality, this injustice, then it is now. Right, so there you go. I'm going to get off my soapbox now because I'm in danger of it becoming too big. The soapbox needs to get a little bit... No, it doesn't. It needs to be get bigger. I'm going to keep going on about this, actually, but not in this podcast. Um, elsewhere. So if you follow me on Twitter... Uh, at Blue Light Info, you'll see that every day I keep posting this and every day I'm starting to get this small traction. And why am I doing this, by the way? You might be thinking, well, why are you doing this, Brendan? I know you're white British. Well, I've worked as a minority ethnic officer and I've felt the racism and I know it hurts. And I also sense that there's this injustice that's there and I don't like injustice. I think this is something that is a lot of police officers feel. If there's injustice in the world, it's our job to try and stamp it out. And I've... I've talked to people in tears who have been failed by this process because of their background, and it hurts. It hurts them, and it hurts me. So this is why I'm outspoken about it, and I'd like you to join me in being outspoken about it. Okay, folks, well, there you go. There is the webinar for this week. I hope you've found it informative. Uh, next week, we'll go back to top tips for how to succeed in the recruitment process. But for this week, I just felt as though I had to get this off my chest. And I hope you don't mind. And I hope it's given you some food for thought as well. Not just about um, the wider issues of legitimacy within the police service, but also about the recruitment process. Those are the questions to ask before we start looking to recruit another 1,000 out of 2,750 like they are in West Midlands Police. Let's get our game right. Let's get things worked out properly from the very beginning so that people aren't discri discriminated right from the offset. Okay, folks, hope you've enjoyed this. I shall see you in the Blue Light Police Recruitment Facebook support group where we can continue conversations like this. Like I said, there's all sorts of conversations going on there. 35,000 posts, comments and reactions every month. Wow. 
I'll see you in there and I'll speak to you next week. See you soon. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>